Seven. <laughs> uh, Seven? I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm gone for three weeks and this is what... <laughs> yeah, it's it, it has fallen apart. Uh, Chris, you rolled a seven. That means the topic we'll be discussing today is what do you do when you're just not feeling motivated to run a role-playing game? <laughs> it's a timely topic. Hello and welcome to Roll for Topic, a roundtable discussion in which we talk about different topics related to running role-playing games. My name is Andy Rao. And my name is John Corey. And today we are joined by a special guest. He has been out for quite a few weeks uh, doing, I'm not sure exactly what, but I've heard he might be running a game of Rollmaster for <laughs> three former presidents of the United States. So uh, with that introduction... Let me welcome Chris Salzman back to the show. Thank you. Thank you. It's really Thank nice you. to be back on as a, a guest this time. Um, yeah, I have not been running Rollmaster for three former presidents. I oh, can't say what I have been doing with three former presidents. <laughs> okay. So you were half well, right, Andy. Yeah, Chris was, uh, you may recall, Chris, Chris was booted from the show a couple of weeks ago for yeah. his just terrible attitude, and yeah. we're giving him a chance to get back into our good graces. We'll see how this goes, Salzman. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I see John has his little checklist of that he can take notes on Chris's behavior uh, yep. all ready to go. Okay, well, guys, more seriously, but not much more seriously, okay. this is the part of the show where I'm going to ask each of you guys to tell me what has been going on gaming-wise in your lives. Chris, you, I know, have been out caring for a baby, so I don't know <laughs> if any gaming stuff has been going on. John, why don't we start with you? What has been uh, going on? Uh, what have you been doing gaming-wise lately? A couple of things. I bought some games, but that's pretty much any time between yeah. the last time we spoke <laughs> and the time we're speaking now. I've probably bought a game. I bought, actually, uh, a couple of books that I'm interested in. One is the Complete or the Ultimate RPG Role-Playing Game Guidebook by James D'Amato. Um, mm. and I loved one shot podcast and campaign and listened to them for years. So I hadn't listened in a while and was excited to see he had written a book. It seems like a combination of basics, like here's how you start a role playing game and advanced stuff. So I've just started it, but I already like his attitude already. So that's, mm. that's fun. But another game called Liminal that I have not cracked open. And I just got an email today that some Kickstarter I backed six months ago I'd forgotten about had just shipped to me. So that's good news. Hey, wow. Um, Only six months ago? Yeah, I know, right? It's <laughs> quick. Yeah. And then uh, and then I did play this morning, actually. I played in my friend Steve's game, which is my friend Steve's nameless game. It's a game we're mm -hmm. sort of making up as we go. It is a role-playing game. It's more like a story game. And the game is to try to figure out the game. It's one of those games where you've you've woken up, uh, you don't know where you are, uh, but you suddenly are starting to develop these abilities that let you do things. Um, mm -hmm. And so it's been really interesting and it's fun. I'm playing that with another former guest, Jess Snyder, um, is in that oh, game. Yeah. Does Steve know where the game is going? I think so. Okay. I trust Steve. Steve was my GM for years in a 3.5 campaign, so I trust him to lead me somewhere fruitful. So yeah, yeah that's what I've been up to. <laughs> Is the gimmick that it always turns out that the game you're playing is Aliens? 
<laughs> that would be great, but no, sadly. It's Andy's dream game. <laughs> that's, that's right, because how do I get in on this? Now? Yeah, right. So, hey, John, you mentioned you were reading that guide to gaming, and I don't know about you guys. I personally can count on, like, one hand the number of books about role-playing that I've read, like general advice-type books about role-playing which probably is very obvious if you listen to the show. But, uh, so can you tell us a little bit more about the one you're reading, John? Is it like how to run and play in a role-playing game, or is it a little yeah. different than that? It does have an intro section where it assumes you don't know what a role-playing game is, but it assumes that you want to learn what one is. Um, it's not. It's a general audience book with an advanced section later. James D'Amato has an interesting background in that he he did two things which I think make him really qualified to write this book. One is... He ran a podcast and still does called One Shot, where every month he learns a new game and then they play it over sessions. So he's played, you know, dozens and dozens of RPGs. His other background is he's a trained improv comedian. He trained at Second City uh, in Chicago. So he really likes doing improv type stuff with his game. So I think it's a combination of general advice on how to play well and also how to get more comfortable with character and improv and all those kind of things that we all struggle with as as role players does he have a sort of guiding philosophy or a specific angle from which he's approaching this topic there's sort of two things he made clear very early in the book and i'm not done with it yet but one is rpgs are great because everyone's a player even the gm's a player and don't forget that and two rpgs aren't like other forms of storytelling because the fun is in finding out the fun is in telling the story together not the story you tell that is his (laughs) fundamental attitude so it's not about coming up with a great story it's about having fun while you're telling the story Hmm. okay how does he sounds really interesting does he square that with like with actual play podcasts so i know it's something like we've talked about before on the show like sometimes you listen to an actual play podcast and it just sort of bounces off you like you know it's just like that's not very interesting but yeah. really the people who are who are doing it and recording it are having fun so yeah. there's like this this mixture of like they're having fun but then they're also sort of producing something that's enjoyable for other people and i don't know i haven't gotten that far i, okay. I would assume he does though i don't yeah. know that because he's done hundreds of hours of actual play yeah and he's really good at it so <laughs> It would be kind of a shame if he didn't get there, but we'll see. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. it's it's not focused around that. It's focused around role playing in general. But I think it'll come up probably. Hmm. As we've discussed before, I'm not the hugest fan of actual play podcasts, but one of the podcasts I do enjoy listening to is the, that one associated with him. It's not one shot. They have like a campaign podcast as well. And yeah. For a good while, they may still be doing it. They were running Star Wars. And yeah. I thought that was a very fun show to listen to. It was great. And I probably listened to 40 episodes of that show. It was good. Um, yeah. They got a little too silly for me. You know, they got too much into the improv comedy. There was a point yeah. where I think Kat the GM was trying to drive the story forward. And they immediately all just dropped into shtick trying to avoid it. And I was like, okay, <laughs> enough. Okay. <Yeah. laughs> That's right. That'll be another topic. Uh, yes. topic We'll put on the table for a future episode. Yes. Is, Absolutely. Is, is how John doesn't like fun. <laughs> That's right. John's problem with fun. What is the deal with John? Yeah. What is it with GMs and wanting to drive the story forward? That's <laughs> right. <laughs> All right, so Chris, uh, we're going to turn the eye of our focus over to you now. So picture sort of an eye of the eye of Sauron rotating yeah. to spotlight you. And uh, how? What have you been up to while you've been out allegedly having a baby? 
Yeah. Um, well, I did not have the baby. My wife did. Um, okay, I've been okay. helping to take care of the baby <laughs> and her other child. Um, so I, I started, and I don't know if I got a chance to talk about it on the podcast or not. I am really interested in running a cyberpunk campaign. It's sort of my next thing that I want to do. Um, so I chatted with some former guests and some other friends and stuff and got a, a big reading list together. So I've gotten as far as to order the giant stack of cyberpunk related books and stuff. And that was just sitting there kind of taunting me. I've opened up, um, I think it's Cyberpunk 2nd Edition or something like that and flipped through it a little bit, um, have Shadowrun as well. Um, yeah, but uh, I'm excited to do that, and I I think I need to just dive in and go for it. Otherwise, I will get so far into the prep side of it that I'm just never going to run this thing. So <laughs> um, hopefully by the, the end of 2020, I'll have, I'll have started and maybe actually run part of that campaign <laughs> that would be good it's hard to say with a baby you could I know. baby could be three and you could still be like i'm i'm gonna get uh, there totally it's gonna sure. happen yeah. who wants to play <laughs> <laughs> is it your thought that you are going to run one of those specific games that you picked up or do you just want to immerse yourself in cyberpunk yeah i think in you know like you and i have talked about it a little bit um not on the podcast but like i think i want to run kind of my own thing um with that, you know, so reading a bunch of those books just to kind of get an idea of flavor and maybe some um, avoid some design problems that I'd probably run straight into at first. Um, but otherwise, yeah, I'm not like super interested in running Shadowrun third edition or whatever. Um, yeah, so we'll see. The other don't, thing that I might do don't is... say out loud what edition of Shadowrun you're oh. thinking about running. It's just an <laughs> yes. endless stream of emails from the internet. That's right. Just... I'm already starting to write my angry email to okay. you guys. So. Yeah. Well, in my research, I found that there is there is actually no edition of Shadowrun that anyone likes. So, <laughs> but yet, apparently, people play this game. Yeah, so there there is though. There's a new the Cyberpunk 2077 game is coming out pretty soon, um, and there's a, a RPG update to it as well. So there's a, like a beginner's box that's associated with that. So probably I'll just grab that and run that. I think I saw in your stack you also had an old 90s game, Cyberpunk 2020. Yes. Okay, so yeah. I'm not recommending that game, but I am yeah. recommending creating a character in that game because it's okay. crazy. Like <laughs> okay. it is crazy, and I, yeah. you know, I, I won't spoil it. Maybe you, maybe next time you're on, you yeah. uh, describe that experience. <laughs> yeah. It's charts and tables, and it's like you roll. It's great. It's fantastic. Yeah. So give it a shot sometime. Yeah, like I, I, I'm kind of interested in that part of it. You know, especially some of these games. Like it's. It's fun to me to think about playing a game in 2020 that was written back in the 80s or whatever that was set in 2020 as like this far future. Yeah. Uh, there's something that I find just hilarious about that and really interesting narratively, right? Like, because it's, uh, you have this like retro futurism sort of thing going on, but at the same time, it's like, I don't know, the world's already a hellscape. So it's like, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. So like we, we've kind of, we've, we've seen um, some of these, like these, these concepts of like what capitalism is going to do in 30 years and come to fruition. Right. Yeah. So I don't right. know. Uh, that's kind of what I've been doing. And then otherwise I've been playing this, this game called Slay the Spire on iOS recently, which is a really good, like roguelike deck building game, which is a oh. lot of genre sort of stuff <laughs> thrown together um but it's a very like evocative setting and, and kind of silly too but that's been sort of my my one gaming outlet while i'm holding a baby so awesome yeah i've played slay the spire i put a lot of hours into it as well yeah. and i have to echo it it's a wonderful game it, yeah. every time i play it save and quit my game my thought is like how can this be a tabletop like physical yes. game like how can we make this into yeah. a cool RPG deck building hybrid <laughs> game of some sort that I can get my hands on because it's so fun. Yeah. 
What about you, Andy? What have you been Uh, reading? Yeah, I guess that leaves me. Just a couple things. One book that I've been reading, I picked up a little while ago a book called Champions Now. It is an interesting RPG book. Is it written by the original Champions guy, isn't it? So it's written by Ron Edwards, who is most well-known for being a leading figure in the indie game movement in, I think, the late 90s and early 2000s. And I think a lot of the really influential early indie games grew out of the kind of an online environment in which he was often sort of guiding the discussions. That's the Forge, maybe. Is what yes, the Forge. That's exactly yeah. it. I wasn't really an active participant in that community, but I, but I've heard but I sort of gained a, cer- a certain yeah. respect for it just from a distance from seeing the games that it produced. It's an interesting book. Uh, he is a, I, I hate this word, but he is kind of a controversial person. In that he has ideas about uh, how games, how role-playing games work and how they should work that people disagree with, like vehemently, <laughs> agree with and disagree with vehemently. In my book, that makes him an, a really interesting person to read because I like kind of meaty, provocative ideas like that. What Champions Now is him taking one of the early and most influential superhero role-playing games, Champions, mm-hmm. which I think was born in the 80s. And I've he got is the box set. Yep, it's yep. He is offering his his spin on champions. So it's champions now is a full role playing game. Like the the book contains the full rules you need to run a role playing game, and they are recognizably the rules of one of the early champions edition. <laughs> but what makes it compelling and interesting is that they are just wrapped in a lot. It's like getting a really verbose director's commentary. For an RPG, which is something I not really thought about before, but I I love reading it. So like half the book is the game rules, but it's completely interspersed with like basically essays and manifestos on how to approach the task of running like a superhero role playing game. And it's not just generic, you know, it's not that same GM advice that is in every role playing Mm -hmm. book. It's it's specific to running superhero role playing games. And it's you know, it's opinionated in the sense of like, there's a, there's a right way to do this. And I've gone on too long about this already. But the (laughs) thing that is really landing with me from this is, and I'm not done reading through it is he is just arguing very forcefully for GMs to make GMs and players together to make to take their games seriously, and then to (laughs) truly take ownership of the kind of world and the stories they're creating. Interesting. In the context of a superhero role playing game, he wants you not to worry about existing superhero franchises. <laughs> he doesn't want you thinking about what Marvel or DC is doing, you know, what the trends in comics are. Um, he wants you and your players to think, but mostly you, the GM, because you're presenting to your players. He wants you to think, what do I love about this setting? And he wants you to just really specifically, he wants you to write down those things that you love or that you believe and he wants you to like very intentionally build your game around it. And I don't know if I'm conveying it real well, but it's just kind of like a big wake up call telling me whatever genre you're running, you know, this is your game. Mm-hmm. Uh, your responsibility is just to you and your players to like do what you want with your game. You don't need to abide by the canon of any setting, you know, just find what's fun and then just double down on that. And I don't know, it's been an inspiring book to read. So, I mean, I do recommend it. 
its utility is definitely less if you have no interest in running a role-playing game. <laughs> but, you know, but some of the advice is, a lot of it is certainly applicable. It sounds kind of like creating like a, a vision board for your game. Yeah. <laughs> almost, yeah. right? Like in, in, in not like a jokey way, right? Like actually like sitting down and being like, this is sort of what I want it to be. And that's okay that it can be this serious thing that we're yeah. doing together. You know, part of that is, um, it's the idea of just taking this seriously. I do feel that over the years, as I've grown older, I've found myself at more of a remove from the game. Mm -hmm. And I think there is something to be said for like, hey, if we are going to engage in this multi-hour social activity, let's get into it, you know, mine this for what, you know, mine it for whatever you can get out of it and take it seriously, which is a little scary to think about, but yeah. kind of exciting at the same it's time. It's kind so. of exciting from yeah. my attitude, yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm the guy who's tried to run several superheroes games, and they, none of them went because I really couldn't find a group who wanted to take it seriously. Um, I remember one game, a friend was like, yeah, let's play. That'll be fun. And we did it. And then he made his guy was like a photocopy machine that matter surfed on sheets of paper or something like yeah. he didn't. He just wanted to make fun of it. And I wanted to take it very seriously. We were much yeah. younger at the time. But yeah. yeah, getting a getting a supers game with a good tone off the ground is not an easy thing to do. Yeah. It's like, do you want to be the Watchmen? Yeah. Or do you want to be the Fantastic Four? Like Golden Age? Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, it's all over the place. The, yeah. um, you know, one other thing I'm kind of picking up from the game is. Uh, he's a big believer in not coming to the table with like a set story in mind. So like he would not, mm -hmm. for instance, he I don't think he purchases Paizo's Adventure Path. <laughs> uh, I like this know, guy already. You yeah. sold yeah, me uh, on this book. Yeah. I mean, he uh, to the extent that's possible, he, he wants the experience to grow organically out of what the players give you. So the mm -hmm. players have to take this seriously too because it's their job in creating their character to tell the GM really specifically, here's the kind of fun I want to have. And then mm -hmm. the GM just, is supposed to start there, not with their own epic plot ideas. Um, so, anyway, I love that. Yeah. yeah, I did want to mention one other thing. I've uh, I've played a bunch of games of BattleTech with my mm. young son mm -hmm. oh, nice. over the last couple of days. So that's been kind of fun. It's not exactly RPG, but it's very. There's a BattleTech role playing game, and it's just that that's a game that lives somewhere in between role playing game and war game. So uh, that's been kind of fun. Have you won every time? I have lost every single time. Uh, okay. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yes. Good man. The gloves will come off, but not quite yet. So. Not until yeah. he's hooked, Andy. Come on. You got to yeah, be exactly. Once. Yeah, I'm. You I'm have to. You have to wait for him to say, "Dad, I want you to try this time." <laughs> <And> then, <laughs> that's right. Then you pull out the real, the real BattleTech character sheet. <laughs> well, that's that is literally what's going to happen because we're playing with like the beginner rules, which have this really simplified version. I can't wait for the day when it's like, "Son, it's time for you to learn about flanking and <laughs> and weapons overheating and that's yeah, and yeah, weapons overheating." Yeah. Yes. <laughs> we have gone on for a good while, but I think it's probably time for us to kind of circle back to our topic. So the topic that Chris, you rolled mm -hmm. was what do you do when you're just feeling unenthused about running a game? And maybe we can, I can start by just asking you guys a uh, softball question here. Have you ever been unenthused about running a role-playing game? <laughs> well, I, uh, so the answer is yes, but mm -hmm. also I'll ask, is it running it or is it preparing it? That's the, the where you're lacking motivation or are those not the mm. same thing to you so i guess that's my my question back that's a great question and it, it's possible that um if i had read the question correctly i might be able to answer that but uh why don't, <laughs> so, carry, carry on john though tell us tell us a little bit about that distinction well you know i 
I found that, I mean, one of the reasons I've sort of switched to a, a lower prep method is that I'm always up for running a game. I am much less frequently up for doing a lot of prep. But we have friends, and you've had guests on this show, who will prep all day and then, you know, maybe aren't that excited about running or they're excited to do both things. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I think I, I ran into a um, prep dilemma at some point in my role-playing career and decided that the lack of motivation was was getting the game together. Hmm. And that's where I lost my motivation. Is that something that, uh, forgive me for oversimplifying this, is that something that when you had that realization, you fixed it and the problem went away? Yeah, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Not to to oversimplify, but yeah, I realized that that what I was doing was playing the wrong type of game. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's why I wasn't having fun. And that's why I wasn't motivated. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So Chris, let's let's just bounce it over to you. Tell us about a time, if there has been such a time, when you just weren't feeling excited about running or prepping again. Oh goodness, yeah. Well, um, see the last like four months. (laughs) 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 Yeah, the like it's been the transition to online games was pretty hard for me um, because it's like I had a lot going on. Like I, I was changing jobs, I had a kid come in, you know. So there's that all happening, and then you know pandemic stuff. So the thought of like organizing and getting everybody together and like yeah playing a game and stuff was just like too much but i think what helped was sort of farming off some of the like the scheduling duties and stuff so this sounds like such a basic thing but like players stepping up to help get things scheduled was really helpful um but then also just lowering my standards for prep exactly what you're saying john was like you know what, this is just going to be sort of by the book or you know like we're just going to do kind of this this thing and this is the only thing i've prepped and if we go out outside those bounds i might not have anything but i'll improv it or you know whatever like that um yeah so that was that that's been pretty freeing um that way like so that's what i've i've done recently when i'm not feeling motivated what about you andy yeah well that all rings really <laughs> true for me as well i've definitely felt unenthused and as for why you know it's varied from time to time there's been times where just for whatever reason too much was going on in my life and i didn't have feel like I had the energy to put into doing this. There were times Mm -hmm. where I felt like the game wasn't going all that well. Like I didn't feel, I wasn't feeling a lot of enthusiasm from the players. And my instinct in that sort of thing is to, to look to the players to see if I can be enthused by them, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So if Mm -hmm. there are players, there's always like one or two people that are just have a vast reservoir of excitement about the game. (laughs) And so, When this has hit me, when possible, I try to just interact with those people that are most excited about the game because Mm -hmm. chances are they've been thinking about the game and looking forward to it and they have some thoughts about it. And Mm -hmm. I I find that it usually doesn't take too much to just I just need a little bit of that uh, Mm -hmm. energy and enthusiasm from them to get back on track. That's that's not, you know, that's not always possible. And sometimes I, you know, you just show up at a game and you're just, you kind of got to make yourself go, you know, get in the car and pack pack up your stuff in the car and go and just do it. Um, And I usually find that once it gets going, it goes fine. But Mm -hmm. um, I'm reminded of a topic we talked about a very long time ago on this show. We talked about like just GM stress and anxiety. Do you remember that episode? Oh, yeah. And I, I don't think that feeling unexcited about running a game is exactly the same as feeling stressed or anxious about it, but they're certainly related. Mm-hmm. I would agree. I, you know, because I think, like Chris, I had a lot of trouble getting excited or interested in online gaming, and I finally just had to run a game online. Mm-hmm. I think that we talked about this last time. And then now I feel I could do it. But I definitely was unmotivated to run my game um, Mm. 
because I didn't want to figure out all this online stuff. Um, and I think that was, you know, definitely a, a prep issue, another prep issue, right? So, yeah, I would agree. Oh, yeah. That's a really good point. It was fun to hear how enthusiastic you were about that uh, online game you ran, John. That was fun. That was kind of inspiring just to hear about yeah. a gaming experiment like that that actually went really well. Yes, and that was good. And, and now I'm more excited to get my campaign going again and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, that was definitely like, I think that was a motivation issue. And I think those can take different forms. I think that's sort of the prep motivation stuff. What about actually running a game? Have either of you had a problem where it's it's time to run it? You've done your prep and you're like, oh, I just, I can't, you know, like for whatever reason. <laughs> yeah, I usually push through. I mean, I kind of like as we're talking, I'm just reminded a lot of um, public speaking in general. Right. Like mm -hmm. everything we've said, I mean, you could just replace running a game with like giving a speech. Right. right. It's like, yeah. yeah, yeah, like I'm not ready for it. I don't want to do it. You know, like, you know, what have you, all that, that sort of stuff. So it seems like sort of like whatever you would do for getting motivated to do a speech somewhere, that's what you should do to get ready to run, <laughs> run a game. Right. Yeah. I've definitely had times where I'm like, I'm, it's, it's a half an hour before this game is going to start. You know, it's like, I don't, I don't want to be doing this tonight, but like, I, I, trust that it will be fun is sort of yes. the, the concept right because like again i always go back to like i'm playing a game with my friends right like this is not this is not a job this is an optional activity if we are not having fun for whatever reason i can say hey let's do something else right yeah. like the failure state is hanging out with your friends so that's that's a good place to be yeah that's a really good point and i, I think it's not true for everybody who's GMing games. Mm -hmm. But for me, and it sounds like for you, Chris, by far the vast majority of my gaming has, has been basically an excuse to hang out with people I already like and who mm -hmm. I know and, and trust more or less, yeah. you know? Yeah. And so like you say, the worst case scenario, you know, is that you you know, still have fun with your friends, but you have you have fun with your friends over a game that's maybe not amazing. But that's still yeah. a fun and you know time with your friends. So I do know a lot of a good number of GMs, though, that run, you know, not for friends, but they, they run the game in their the local game store each week or mm -hmm. um, in the local game club. And I don't do that. And <laughs> I don't I, I mean, I admire those people's ability to do that. But also, it's just like that's not I don't think that could be for me. It's it's interesting you say that because like I'm agreeing with you I'm like nodding and stuff and then I'm thinking about the the Ann Arbor District Library's RPG Fest that we did yeah and that was essentially running games for strangers and I had a blast yes, I love that like that is right? I love running games for strangers conventions that thing yeah absolutely like I would never I would never choose to go to Vault of Midnight and run Adventures League or something like that but like <laughs> doing that occasionally is is pretty motivating right and like especially like getting to introduce brand new people to the game and, and things like that is, is really great have either of you guys ever either done this or thought about like volunteering to be like a sort of brand ambassador or you know for role playing companies because most role playing companies do have some sort of organized way in mm -hmm. which you can be yeah you can be a gm who like you know runs demos and things like that for the game have you guys done that or like does that sound exciting or not at all I, I did try it once and the reasons i stopped doing it actually had nothing to do with with that activity it was the the system they had set up to do it i don't know if the company still exists it was a company called double exposure and mm -hmm. you could go and you would get certified in a game they did both board games and rpgs and I got certified in Green Ronin's Fantasy Age, 
Oh, nice. Dragon Age, and did run it at a couple of conventions as a technically a representative. And then also when, when Keith Baker released Phoenix Dawn Command and was sort of recruiting people, you know, I signed up and he sent me swag and stuff to hand out to players, and I did run mm-hmm. that at a couple of conventions too. So I have tried that, and I, you know, it was a pretty good experience. The, the first time my double exposure issue was they were more focused on board games, so I kept getting all these email about board game Mm-hmm. stuff yeah. and and they tried to gamify it too which was kind of fun but like you had to run so many hours and then you could get free stuff and i just i wasn't into that uh the game was good and and i enjoyed that and then with the keith baker uh phoenix stone command thing the, he just ran out of steam that game didn't take off like he hoped and mm-hmm. and he's just not promoting it anymore but i i did that i guess i've done that twice and i really enjoyed that experience and i would do it again <laughs> um in the right circumstance okay so, John, that's like kind of a professional way to run a game, right? Like you you are an official representative of the game at that yeah. point. Did you feel like that changed the way that you approached running it? I mean, like like we're talking about motivation, right? Like, So your motivation is a little different at this point. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I, I was excited to run it and introduce these games to people. And I feel like, especially with the Phoenix Dawn Command experience, it did... It did change the experience a little bit. I felt like I was really promoting the game more mm-hmm. um, rather than my play style. And I wonder if the game was not quite as good because of that. Because I, I don't, I had a couple good experiences running that game, but I had a couple experiences that were not great. So, yeah, it's hard to say. Yeah. Do, so uh, I think maybe it did, it did mix my motivations a little bit. Yeah. That's hmm. interesting. What would you guys do in a situation like this where you're the GM? And you're just not feeling it. And let's say over the course of several game sessions, you find your enthusiasm just waning. And it's been a long time since you've thought, hooray, it's game time. I can't wait to go and run this game. At what point do you put up a flag and say, oh, there's a problem here. we got to figure it out. What do you do if the players are still seem to be enjoying it just fine? Like, what? Hmm. At what point do you... Um, do you stop and say, maybe this is a bigger matter than just getting myself, you know, hyped up for tonight's game? Towards the the end of the campaign, the, my last D&D campaign that was wrapping up, I was losing enthusiasm for it. Again, because we were like, we were transitioning to online, right? Like, so there's other stuff happening, but it was very much like a feeling of like, I need to wrap this up before I just like tell them I can't do it anymore, right? Like, because it was getting to the point where it's like, you know, the story's kind of coming to a close. We've been going for a really long time. This big kind of cultural change is happening and stuff. And it was just like, it was, it was a good time to sort of, you know, get it wrapped up. And we've been talking about wrapping it up too for a little bit as well too, right? So it's like everything was coming to, to a head. Had at that point that it'd been like, oh, but actually now we have 10 more sessions or something. <laughs> there, like we would have had to sit down and be like, okay, like. If I recall, that was the game that wouldn't end, right? Like you're like, come on guys, let's get to it. And they just wouldn't. It kept on like, just like one more session, one more session. And like part of that's my fault, right? But, you know, <laughs> part of that, a lot of, all of that's my fault, but it's, <laughs> yeah, but I mean, like, I mean, I think it's, again, like going back to like, you're, you're playing with your friends. Like, I mean, could you imagine if you were getting paid to do it and like you had to, to show up? Like, I, I think about that a lot with like, with people doing one shot podcasts and, you know, like actual plays and stuff. Like if you're not feeling it, but you also have like advertising money on the line, you know, like that's, that's a very different, right. different sort of, um, or if you're a Twitch streamer, playing games. right? And you're trying to get subscribers and yeah. Yeah. yeah and there's a lot written about that too. But I wonder if in the course of making the decision that you were really going to wrap up the campaign, 
mm-hmm. at least from my perspective, hearing about it. And you talked about it sometime on this show and we interacted off the show about it. It sounded like a lot of cool stuff happened because of your decision to wrap up the campaign, right? Yeah. Because I, you had all these, how can we wrap this up well? What you know? How are we going to pull this all together? How can we send the campaign off? I wonder if maybe by deciding it's time to wrap up this game, you actually um, got kind of an injection of excitement because it bring yeah. it presents a whole kind of an exciting new t- round of questions that you need to figure out and solve. Yeah, and this, um, I'm going to stop myself from opening this up into a, a tangent that will go for another hour. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, I have, I have a lot to say about this, but I've, I've been thinking quite a bit about pacing just as a, a general sort of thing in, in like movies and TV and games and games and things like that. But I think you're absolutely right. When you have that sort of like devil may care, like this could end at any second sort of sensation at the table, like that really changes sort of the energy of, of what you're willing to present to them um because you know so i was running horde of the dragon queen and i was just i was not very inspired by the general horde of the dragon queen arc um so i was just skipping chapters basically right like there'd be you know 20 pages it's just like well that's very cool but i don't really want to explore the interpersonal politics between these two clans and the swamp lands right like we're just going to kind of do away with that and just get straight (laughs) to the dragon right because that's like that's what we're doing yeah right Um, you know, as we're going through it, um, you know, and then it makes it kind of a stronger story at that point, right? Because then you're just sort of focused on, you know, a little bit more of the high points rather than maybe some of the the stuff that's not as interesting to you as the GM or to the people at the player, uh, the players at the table. You know, I've been thinking about it since we started this topic, and and the the story I'll tell is I was running a campaign. This was, you know, so I had not run RPGs for a long time. I decided. You know, I really want to do this again, and I'd gone back to run old games. I think we talked about this in the past, but it started off as a session of Rollmaster and then switched mm-hmm. to a, a, a Dragon Quest game, and I ran that for a while. And that game, I eventually got tired of running. I would come to the table, and I wouldn't want to run anymore. That also ended up switching into a couple, two, three-year, 3.5 campaign in which I gave up GMing and became a player. And I think that entire arc from coming back into role-playing games and getting tired of that Dragon Quest game and then eventually getting really tired of that 3.5 game. God bless everybody in it. If anyone's listening, that's that's <laughs> not a personal uh, attack. But realizing that I didn't want to play the way we were playing, right? Mm. And and I think it took me a long time to just admit to myself that, that there were other options. And what I really needed to do was explore those other options. Because I think I still love the idea of a role-playing game, but I got tired of that one and that style, that sort of quote-unquote classic D&D style. Certainly the 3.5 high mechanic, feat-oriented, optimal build kind of stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think I just didn't feel very successful. And so I think that when you don't feel successful, it's not very fun. So (laughs) I think that that was a big motivate. That was big contributor to my lack of motivation and sort of switching gears there. So... I don't know if that makes. I don't know if that was just babbling, or that makes that story more clear. But I think that mm-hmm. that yeah, it was a, it was a it was a not playing to my strengths kind of thing too. I have some strengths, and they're not in that kind of game. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that's why I switched and and have not looked back. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's a good reminder that there, when we talk about not being enthused or not able to drum up excitement for running a game, there's a number of different reasons, and it's probably worth pausing to think you know is it because i'm stressed right now and life is busy and this will pass in a few weeks or is it something more significant like 
this just fundamentally isn't the kind of game experience that I enjoy having, which sounds like that was the conversation you had with yourself, John. Yeah, exactly. And I think sometimes, though sometimes I will come to the table and I'm not motivated, and then it's always, I think it goes back to the hanging out thing. Um, like, mm-hmm. for example, I've had times when I got together with people and we're like, you know what, let's just play Fiasco instead mm-hmm. of this prepared session we've had. And, and, and Fiasco is great because you just pick a scenario and characters and you're off to the races. That's, that's interesting. Something I've been, I've been toying with, and I'm sure we've talked about it at some point is the, like, is there like a really good system that you could get, you could get down enough that when people show up for game night, you know, like you could play a board game or you could play D and D light or whatever it is. And it's like, you know, you can go from not playing to playing in 10 minutes and then uh-huh. stop in an hour sort of thing. Right. Like, right. Cause I think there's, there's something nice about like having a system like that, like, Oh, like let's, let's play D and D, but also you are not signing up for six months of D and D. You were yeah, yeah, we're just playing tonight and that's okay. But like, I don't know how to, how to quite do that myself. And maybe it's just like, I haven't found the right system system or whatever but like i think um you know like we're talking about like motivation and stuff a lot of it's going back to prep and it's like yeah if you could just have that in your back pocket uh, at all times so that we could just well we could just play this right like and we can we can just go right so there's kind of two elements to that you know you would want a game that can easily be run quickly right mm-hmm. and i think that there's more support for that kind of game now than there was maybe 15 or 20 years ago as Definitely. far as games games written to be picked up quickly you know, but then there's the other half of that is, you know, finding that game or that activity that everybody that is you're definitely <laughs> going to have fun with. Right. That everybody knows yeah. well enough that that they can slide right into that activity. Yeah. It's almost I think about like parlor games. Like I don't play parlor games. Right. Like but that that whole idea of like, oh, let's play, you know, whatever. Right. It's in tea. Like, <laughs> right. And like everybody just like sort of knows how to play that game. And like everybody's having this. Let's play. Sure. time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah right like something something along those lines but you know sort of fits that like rpg-ish niche yeah um, um i've always had this vision where where i would and i've never got it quite to work out though though i've come close where you have a group of people and you'd sort of say it's game night whoever wants to join can join and we'll play whatever we'll decide mm-hmm. what to play when we get there so if if the right mixture of people is there we'll play that campaign we were playing last week and if there's not we'll we'll start something new or mm-hmm. you know we'll have multiple campaigns going and we'll let whoever wants to run run or we'll just play fiasco because we don't have the right people or whatever i always thought that would be a fun idea but i've never fully explored it i've gotten a group together that for a while we were trying out new games um Mm -hmm. and i'd say hey i'm gonna run this thing at this time since the pandemic that hasn't been really been a thing but um you know just sort of a looser group that isn't committed to anything uh, but that does require a lot of prep because you've got to learn a new game every time you want to change it around. Uh, so. Yeah. And there's yeah. also this sense that, you know, most RPGs really are intended to be played out, you know, over a long period of time. Mm-hmm. And so, well, yes, we've all run one shots and we recognize the fun of a good one shot. There is that sense that the one shot is the thing you do like when you it's like a lesser it's a lesser option compared you know what yeah. everyone wants what what every gm wants to do is run like a killer you know six month campaign yeah. and so running a one shot is fun but it also feels like maybe i'm not realizing like the potential of this this mm-hmm. game system and now i think there are more games that are designed to be played and to have a, a definite start and a definite end point within like an evening's worth of play 
but I personally don't know too many of those games well myself. And so that sounds really fun. And I don't know what I would bring to the table mm-hmm. yeah, in that situation. And I guess I'll, I'll say one other thing about staying motivated. And I think you and I have had this conversation, Andy, before, if not here online. One of the things that keeps me motivated is just trying new games. I find that once I've played a game for a while, I don't want to play it anymore. Um, yeah. <laughs> and it's a rare game that, that I just keep sticking with. Right. And I, yeah, that's a pretty rare. So I motivate myself by trying different games all the time. It seems like the the things we're, we're talking about, it's like, there's like novelty and like mastery Mm -hmm. are two, two pretty important things. It's like, it's, it's fun to play games that are novel until the point that you can master them. And then it's fun to play them, you know, like, well, you you feel like you have mastery over them until the point where there's kind of like no novelty left. And right. then, like, yeah, the motivation has to switch again because, yeah, maybe you need to pick up something new or, you know, whatever. Or you've, you've sort of told the story like that. Yeah, I think it's like for the for GMs, I think if you can <laughs> if you can kind of thread that needle of like this is new and interesting and like I feel like I can do it and all that. Like then that's very motivating, at least to me. Yeah, you know, that's interesting you say that. Like um, I think about that a lot. And I think when you say it like that, that's one of the reasons I like the Powered by the Apocalypse game so much. Because mm-hmm. if you played one of them, you can pick up another one pretty easily, but there's so many of them. You could do Saga of the Icelanders one night and Monster of the Week the next night yeah. and have some skill with the game and understand enough to play. I think that's why that appeals to me because it, it appeals to both things because I feel like I have mastery of Powered by the Apocalypse games now, but I can mm-hmm. still find novel genre experiences within that group of games. That's really interesting. Yeah. Do you guys find that like going online or immersing yourself in sort of the online RPG world, like Twitter or forums uh, or listening to podcasts, does that help your enthusiasm level? Would you ever consciously think, I'm not feeling it this week, I'm going to go, you know, I'm going to go out there on Twitter, I'm going to fire up a couple podcasts and does that help? And do you have any like suggestions of things that you find inspiring? I do uh, the times I jump into actual plays, I do find them generally like motivating in that it helps me sort of think through like, Oh, like I would have approached this setup a little bit differently or like, Oh, I would have never thought of that. Those sorts of things. So it's nice for sort of opening up the possibility space for me of like, Oh, okay. There's different ways that, you know, you could, you could play these games. Yeah. That said, I mean, yeah, I don't really go out and seek them too much. It's a mostly a time thing, really. Mm. It's like I don't... <laughs> if I'm ever going to be devoting any time to doing gaming-related thought, like I have plenty of stuff that, that I should be doing or could be doing. I, I don't do it too much. I I do... I don't... I used to listen to actual plays. Like we talked about that campaign podcast. I listened to the Adventure Zone religiously for the first two arcs. And I did find that inspiring from a podcast mm-hmm. standpoint. As far as forums and websites, first of all, Andy... First rule of the internet is don't go on Twitter for any kind of inspiration. Yeah. <laughs> but also, <laughs> if you're listening to this and you're thinking about going to Twitter, please stop. <laughs> please stop. <laughs> um, as far as forums go, I get kind of overwhelmed. Like, um, like I'm on a couple of discords with friends, small groups of people who we enjoy chatting about games. I find that way more inspiring than than trying to get into a like. There's a discord for um, for mothership, and everybody's great over there. But I don't know anybody, and so mm-hmm. I just didn't really enjoy being there not because of the place it's actually a great place but because i just didn't i couldn't i couldn't find any hooks right to, i couldn't find any handholds to get in whereas mm-hmm. if it's a smaller group of people i'll enjoy rpg chat and that will definitely inspire me to see what other people are doing 
Chris, as you uh, when you get close to running that cyberpunk game, I uh, I know it will be a real source of enthusiasm. Is I want you to go on to uh, any forum where they're discussing Shadowrun, and uh, <laughs> where they will be inevitably arguing about which version of their beloved game they hate the most. I think that would be very inspiring for you. Uh, oh, it's like yeah. what's it's like what is arguing what's the worst Star Wars movie, right? Like it's yeah. <laughs> that's right. They're all terrible. Yeah. Uh, so I have one other quick question: have Have either of you guys been in games, or would you like to be in a game where you could say? You know what? Um, I'm not feeling it right now. Can somebody else take over GMing for two weeks while I just recharge my creative batteries? Have you done that? I've thought about this a lot. I I think I'm just too much of a control freak <laughs> when it comes down <laughs> to it. Yeah, which is weird because like I really enjoy playing in other people's games quite a bit when I can. But I think like if it's if it's a group that I'm I'm sort of running, I would feel like such like jealousy. <laughs> <laughs> which means that i should try this and get over it but it's just like i don't know like because part of like running games i feel like it's a little bit like you you put the group together you got the group together you're like you're running it you're the one sort of like pushing it pushing it through and it's going it's going it's going so to step back and be like oh well someone else take over for a little bit i think i would i'd feel sheepish about that yeah the one (laughs) time gm confessional (laughs) yeah the one time i I did that uh i didn't end up gming again for like two years so (laughs) okay (laughs) See? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, hey, uh, does anybody have any sort of uh, parting thoughts on this topic that you haven't got a chance to voice? The one thing I'll say is that if you're not feeling motivated to run your game, do take a moment and, and don't beat yourself up about it. See if there's something in the game that's really bothering you. Maybe it's a player who's exhibiting behavior that... You just don't feel like facing that night. And if that's the case, can you talk to that player? Um, Or is it, you know, are you tired of the game? There's usually a good reason for it. Um, And if you take some time to reflect, you should be able to find out. Okay, well, uh, looking ahead over the next couple of weeks, can I ask what you guys have on your radar gaming-wise? I'm going to crack one of those cyberpunk books, I swear. Yeah, that's great. (laughs) It'll happen. I am all set to go to run... A couple of Call of Cthulhu short games I would like to run for my wife and daughter. They, um, I found on the Call of Cthulhu website a couple of good convention ad- adventures that are intended to be played in like one to two hours. So oh, I'm, nice. like the idea of an adventure meant to be run in an hour is really intriguing to me. So they're mm-hmm. all pretty much just one location uh, mm-hmm. adventures. And we've talked a lot about, about running games in the like two-ish hour range, but... Chris, except for you, I don't know anyone who's ever tried to run, you know, games in a one hour, that lunch hour time slot. So mm-hmm. I'm going to try to run those. I was hoping to have done that uh, today, in fact, but it didn't work out. But Oh, I'm going to want to play in one of those, you know, that sounds fun. So if it goes well, one of the reasons I was excited is if it goes well, I feel much more comfortable, like saying, hey, guys, you want to go online real quick and just play Call of Cthulhu for an hour. That seems a lot less intimidating to me than like, all right, who wants to like next month meet up and yeah. start an online Cthulhu game. You know, I don't know. One of those sounds yeah. like a lot of work that will never happen. And the other sounds like something that could possibly happen on short notice. So, Oh my goodness. Yeah. That, that sounds like it could happen like this week. I know. Like, <laughs> yeah, I could, I could almost say, do you guys want to hang on after this recording and play yeah. a quick one hour call of Cthulhu game? But I would say no. You would say no he has a baby. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. No, I am. I'm, I'm waiting to get my campaign back on track until the game I'm playing in is over because it's the same uh, some of the same players and the same time slot 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Steve has a sort of idea he wants to play two or three more times and then kind of wrap it up. So I'm going to let that happen and then see where we are. All right. Well, this has been Roll for Topic. Uh, Chris, it has certainly been a lot of fun having you back on. Can you give us any hints that uh, is your return imminent or are <laughs> you still, uh, you know, to the, whatever extent you feel comfortable saying, are you staying super busy? Are you ready to kind of reemerge into the podcast and to the gaming world a bit what's going on with you yeah um yeah so i mean the the baby's like five weeks old it's doing really well so uh, i think it's, it's sort of like a schedule permitting <laughs> yeah. at this point but yeah i think i think i'm ready to get back into um normal life new whatever life is these days <laughs> so, the current version of normal life yeah. yes yeah so i don't think you're um i, I think i'll be back next time too awesome, awesome. Yeah. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> okay well guys it's been really good um talking with you i have been andy Rao. i've been john Corey, and I'm chris, chris Salzman. yeah chris uh we've been missing you but we need you to say your closing one-liner here <laughs> yeah this is like what do you think i remember <laughs> <laughs> that's right do you need a sec do you, do you need yeah. me to send you your closing one more? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. remember if your players are having fun you're a great GM. yay indeed you are <laughs>